Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 U.S. only. What's going on, golf addicts? Thank you for downloading the Tour Junkies podcast yet again. Another week, we have got the U.S. Open from Aaron Hills. We are super excited about this episode and this week. And this episode is brought to you by our friends over at Fantasy Draft. If you are not playing on FantasyDraft.com, you're missing out, and especially missing out on their GPP event this week. The U.S. Open Tour card is a $25 entry. And listen, here's the best thing about Fantasy Draft. Way lower rakes than DraftKings and FanDuel. Rake is like just over 10%. Hop on in that contest with us. If you do not have an account with Fantasy Draft, email us, info at tourjunkies.net, and we'll hook you up. But first things first, before we get into our breakdown of Aaron Hills, we have a very special guest. We've got our boy Kevin Kisner talking about Aaron Hills, talking about the course. He's seen it, and he's going to tell us all about it. That's first. We also get him in the native area. You do not want to miss that. It's the best native area we've ever had. Following that, me and Pat are going to give you an extensive course breakdown. We've got a lot of picks this week, 156 golfers to go through. We started out with some agreement, then we ended up with a lot of disagreement. So uh, good luck to all you guys, and may your screens be green. Enjoy the podcast. Progressive presents Mind Flowness with Flow. Before you lies a beautiful meadow. In that meadow, Progressive Direct has placed its auto insurance rates alongside those of competitors. You select the lowest rate and feel a great sense of calm. A great sense of Compare Progressive Direct rates with competitors' rates so you can rest easy. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. What's up, golf addicts? Welcome to the Tour Junkies Fantasy Golf Podcast, and we have a very special guest on the line. You guys know by listening to us every week that we we have a special place in our heart for this guest. He's been on here before, and he's just lighting the PGA Tour on fire at the moment. He's made 11 to 12 cuts this season, five top tens, 19th in the world golf rankings, and just recently won his second PGA Tour event. Could have been like his fifth. But we won't talk about that. It was the second PJ Tour event at the Dean and DeLuca. We've got our buddy Kevin Kisner on the line. What is up, Kiz? How are you, man? What's up, fellas? Glad to be here. Y'all doing all right? We are doing we are doing excellent, man. Doing we appreciate great. you taking the time. Appreciate you taking the time in the middle of US Open Week. Um, but before we get into Aaron Hills, I, I wanna know, man, like what a run you you've had and you know, going from the I got I got to talk to you about the chip in at the Zurich Classic because, like, I watched the Tiger era and all that, but that may be one of the greatest shots I've ever seen. And I was watching it live in my in my living room. My baby girl was asleep. I have a eighteen month old asleep, and I'm watching it live. And I literally ran to the other room 
to put my face in a pillow and, and scream obscenities in the pillow because it was just so <laughs> incredible. Like how, and, and I know, you know, it didn't, it didn't, the playoff didn't go as we wanted it to go, but that shot was amazing. Like what is, will you like, is that the greatest golf shot you've ever hit in your life? Gotta be. Uh, I don't know if the execution was the greatest cause I couldn't see anything, but <laughs> yeah. I couldn't put myself in a, cooler situation to pull off than that especially being a team event and i mean it's basically like hitting grand slam in the bottom of the ninth with two outs to win by one or tie the ball game and uh yeah i mean that's the type of stuff you grow up dreaming about and for it to go in i don't i mean i think brownie was shocked as anyone that it actually went in and, and uh well nobody I didn't, nobody knew how to react and i don't know why, where my reaction came from but it was epic yeah, I, I don't know if I've ever seen you react like that, kids. That was uh, that was pretty impressive. And I was like David. I, I screamed. Well, I was not like David because David screamed into a pillow. I actually screamed out loud and scared the crap out of my wife. But uh, <laughs> and I think I even texted you that. But it was fun. It was fun to watch. Obviously, I, I had more shot. people, middle aged grown men, texting me stuff like, "I'm in so much shit for my wife now because I was just <laughs> screaming and running around the house and." Yes, I mean, I lost my mind. It wasn't, you know, I mean, it, it was. It was well, an amazing I kind of did shot. too. Did you see me? I was going to open the crowd up. Didn't give. Yeah, I as, as you should have. Team in the dark. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> even look at doing the brown ears. Huey, I just peaced out on them and ran over to the crowd. <laughs> well, you know, something pro- I'm sure like takes over you. I mean, you know, it's like something takes over you in sports when you do something like that, and you know, you just do what you do. I mean, it, it's just. You know, there, I know there wasn't any thought in in doing it. You just did it, but it was such an amazing moment. And uh, you know, you've just been playing really good lately. And and the win at the Dean and DeLuca, much deserved. And and you know, I'm sitting there watching watching this, and I'm like, man, Kiz and John Rahm in a playoff. You know, potentially talk about two guys who are are fearless, who don't, you know, aren't seemingly intimidated by a whole lot of people. Uh, but you close the door on him, and and it was good to see you finish one. Um, you know, talk about that win for a second. We don't want to. We don't. You know, we don't want to spend too much time asking the same questions you get asked all the time. But talk about that win for a second, and then we'll move on to Aaron Hill. Obviously, with my playoff history on tour, I didn't want to miss that putt. Uh, right. Even though I, I need to win one sooner or later, just prove I can do it. To everybody else that asks me all the time about playoffs, but uh, it was uh, it was fun battling with him. He's an impressive kid. He was just bombing driver on every hole, but I didn't see it hitting right in the middle of the fairway. In at ten feet, so the game he made the game look pretty easy that day. But uh, I still snuck in there and got him on the last hole. I, it was a good situation for me because I assumed he was going to make that putt on eighteen the whole time. So I already had in my head I had to make the putt to even have a chance. And, and yep. even after he missed, I just kept the same mind frame, and uh, you know it worked out good for me. I had the easiest putt you could have to win, pretty much five feet straight uphill, uh, and banged it in the back, which is always nice. Uh, it's always nice to be that golden child too. Well, Jordan was standing up on top of the TV tower back there. Oh, he was up there. Fight. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had a feeling you were you were talking about Jordan, not not a. That's not right, because he was in the clubhouse with a number, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at nine too. He was it was, was going to be like a five-way playoff if I'm. That's right. Oh man, we're well, glad you did. Together, glad I know, I man. Look, it, this is amateur hour. Well, this is not. This you're is all, not, yeah. You're always yeah. giving Pat grief, and here you are messing everything up. 
Hey, you know what? Before we get started, we do have to do this. So we 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 talk about podcast juice. We we have podcast juice, which is what we're sipping on. Pat, what's your what's your podcast juice right now? I got I got a little beer. I got a little uh, little Corona. No, no way. Do you really? Because yeah. normally it's white Zen for Pat or some kind of, of box wine. Um, southern sweet haircut and the white Zen. That's, that's, that's pretty good. That's for exactly now. right. Kids, are you, are you, do you have any podcast juice going right now, or are you, you just, you I got right now. going right now. Okay, okay, a little vino. I'm in the house this week in Wisconsin with Kathy. He's not getting here till the night later, and I bought two 12-packs of beer, and I walked out, and one fell out of the cart on the pavement, walking to the car, bottle <laughs> busted everywhere, and I just left it. I was like, man, I'm not even messing with that. I threw it away. <laughs> Nice. For the wine. I'm uh, I'm enjoying a nice Kolsch right now, actually, which is that's uh, that's a little different for me. So, all right, that we we got the we got that out of the way. Maybe that's why I wasn't on my A game because formalities. I had to get that out of the way. Yeah, you were um, you were off your game on your drink too. Yeah. What? Well, you, <laughs> you don't like the Kolsch. Um. All right. So <laughs> they make a good Aaron one Hill. actually at the Aiken at the Aiken Brew Pub. They make a a, a very good Kolsch. I've not had that one. Yeah, they do. Um, all right, you're at Aaron Hills, and we want to talk a little bit about Aaron Hills before we, we get into some fun stuff. What have you seen of Aaron Hills, or, or if you haven't seen it, what do you know of it so far, you and you and your team talking about? Uh, what, are you, what are you going to be looking at here with Aaron Hills? I played the back nine today. Um, ran around it really quickly. Got here late this afternoon. Dewey and I, you know, all I heard was how long it was, but it was generous off the tee. I'm not sure that's the case. If the wind blows, it was blowing probably 15 a day, and you know it's it's wide off the tee, but you know two steps off the fairway on either side is four foot heather. So uh, I think there'll be a record number of provisional balls hit off the tee at this U.S. Open, and I think it'll probably be the longest rounds in U.S. Open history on Thursday and Friday. Oh gag. Yes, that's it's a huge yard. The guy, I mean, it's just huge out in the middle of a field, and guys are going to have provisional balls on every. Like, okay, let's 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 go off track a little bit. Let's set this number. What what do you think the over under? If you're Vegas and you're setting the lines, over under on number of provisionals hit during this golf tournament. All four days and every player. All four days, every player. got to be around a 150. God. <laughs> I wonder what the record is currently. Do you have any idea what that would be currently? No, I would have no clue. <laughs> but, I, I mean, mean one, one peel out of three guys on every hole is, I mean, if you hit it in the header, you're going to have to hit a provisional because you don't know if you're going to find it. Unless see. there's a spotter every 20 feet, you have no idea where it is. I saw this video from Kevin Na today. I don't know if you saw it, but Kevin Na posted it on Instagram. He was pissing and moaning about the heather and and really, he, he was standing right there beside it, and he, he took a ball and he threw it in. And then he brought the camera over there, and you totally lost it. He was three feet away from it. Oh, it's like, terrible he, in spots. The only issue is it's really spotty. Like, you'll probably see some guy hit a seven iron out of there, up there near the green. But then you'll see another guy, the whole group, looking in a four-foot circle for it. So, uh, hmm. that's what I'm saying. Provisional balls are, uh, every time I hit one in there, I'm going to hit a provisional because, I'm not walking back to the tee. 
So you, you talked about the fairways are a little more generous, but you also said if wind's a factor. So do you, do you think, because I know a lot of people have talked about the length of this course, but also mm-hmm. people have said, well, it, you know, it's gonna, the fairways are going to run and um, it, it may not play as long as it, as it appears. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? Or what, what do you think? How long yeah, do you think I mean, it's really going to play? I didn't hit the longest iron I hit into a hole was a five iron today. So even nice. I only okay. played the back now. On the par threes, I hit a seven yeah. iron, six iron. So uh, and then they have like fifteen, I think, was a hybrid and a ninety yard shot, and they got the uh, tees blocked to make that drivable. So I didn't see the whole distance part of it. Obviously, they can move the tees around and the wind can change. So I think the setup is the biggest key to this open more than any open I've ever seen because they have so many key varieties they can use to change up angles and distance. And so off the off the tee, when you're looking at guys off the tee, I mean, usually it seems like on tour there there are some exceptions, but it seems like on tour we go through like a a barrage of courses where it's a bomb and gouge track. And you know, I know, I know. Uh, Kip Henley's been on the show talking about when he caddied for Brian Gay, like he just knew that there were some courses that Brian Gay had no chance of winning because it's just the Bombers golf course. And then there's also some tracks like, you know, Harbor Town and, and places like that where we know the accuracy guys come into play. It kind of takes driver out of the hand for the Bombers and takes that advantage away. How do you think that's going to, you know, when you think about the fairways and you think about the rough and how it played for you, do you think that there's an edge one way or the other? Do you think it really is just going to be open to, to anybody? In my opinion, the edge is going to be anybody can keep it in the fairway. Because uh, okay. from what I saw today, it's not like if you hit it in the fairway and you only hit it 280, you're going to be pounding hybrid into every hole. Uh, the last four holes today played downwind off the right, which is just about every pro golfer's dream win. So, and, and I saw Mike Davis on 17, and he said this is the prevailing win. So that's that's hmm. a cool way to finish an open, especially with a par five. We don't have to stand there and guess if we're playing a par five or a par four this year on the last hole. Um, we got to play it downwind off the right. It's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, and I think this was a, the first time since I think '92 where I've heard or that they have four par fives with the U.S. Open, which is kind of interesting. So I definitely think you're going to see four in there. But let's talk about the greens a little bit because I've heard that these greens are absolutely pristine. There's been some comparisons to Augusta. You know, what What was your first impression of the greens out there? I know they haven't had much play. I think they shut the course down in October. So uh, what yeah, what were those like, and, and what's going to be key on the greens? Absolutely pure as far as the ball rolling. But, I mean, there's not a ball mark on them. If you, uh, if you hit a putt where you're looking and it's pure, it's going to go in, which is really fun to play. How about, um, you know, as far as around the greens, what's it, what's it like, you know, with scrambling? Is the, it's, uh, you know, it's a couple of terrible runoffs, like way too severe, maybe ball rolling 30 yards away from the hole, 40 yards. But, you know, the surface of the surrounds is uh, you couldn't ask for better stuff to chip off for us because there's no grain. It's not super tight. There's enough cushion under there that we can all slam it down there and, and get spin on it. So I think you'll see a lot of guys chipping from five, six yards off the green compared to some tour events where you see guys putting a lot more. If you've got greens that are that pure and chipping surfaces that are that ideal, 
Do you think that gives guys like you who are good short game players, uh, like Spieth, good short game players that can putt and scramble better than anybody else, do you think it gives you guys more of an advantage? Or does it take a guy who can't really chip that well and putt that well? Does it kind of bring them up to the, the level with you guys? I love the guys that, I mean, in my opinion, only from Dan Wills is the guy that's keeping in the fairway and the guy that can get up and down and make, you know, six to eight, ten footers is going to have a huge advantage around the place. Um, I okay. think it's going to be difficult to get the ball super close to the hole where they're going to put the hole location. So you're going to be putting from 15, 20, 25 feet for birdie. But, uh, you know, when you miss the green, if you can chip it, you have control of your spin, the greens are going to react perfect every time. And you should be able to control your spin from the surround, so you shouldn't make many bogeys if you keep the ball in the fairway. Yeah. So, all right. So I got a few more quick hitters, and then we're gonna get into fun stuff. But give me a. a I'm not done yet. I know. No, you got. You got more. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So give me a sleeper this week. Who's who's a guy maybe a, a you haven't heard of or an unknown that that might make the cut here. Or or even maybe top 20th. Man, I'm going to have to look at the list. I couldn't even tell you about it. I, I, I bet I don't even know 30 guys that are playing in it, so that's the first place to start. Well, um, and those 30 guys, I'm talking about, I mean, those 30 guys are really not even, I mean, you probably wouldn't pick one of those. I guess it's I guess it's maybe a guy like, you know, maybe a guy like a JT Poston, who is, is going to be his first major. He's the Web.com rookie. Uh, you know, guys like that that maybe some some average viewer of the U.S. Open or the PGA Tour is not going to have a clue who they are. Well, the first issue with that question is y'all like golf a lot more than I do. So y'all know way more about who's playing than I do. The only people All right, so that was a bad question. Let's move on. Let's move on to Jordan another question. Jordan Spieth and the questions <laughs> of Justin Thomas. Is, I mean, I don't really... Uh, uh, I don't really run okay. around checking the field list every week to see who's, a, who's playing. All right, so bad question. Um, <laughs> moving on. Pat, Pat, Pat wrote that one, Kiz. Pat wrote yeah, that one. I, I guess, yeah. yeah, I wrote that one. Um, Your sleeper's right, so, Kevin Kisner. How about that? Yeah, there we go. You're not a sleeper, though. Everybody's talking about you already. Oh, yeah, so yeah. That, that didn't work. All right, obviously you got to do everything well to win a major. So, But this week, what is the one thing you think that you got to do better than everybody else to win. I always feel like I got to putt better than everybody. If if I'm making those fifteen footers, and you know I'm pretty good inside of six feet on on tour, looking at statistics. But if I start hooping fifteen footers, I'm I'm really uh, a streaky putter in my opinion. Um, when I start making them, I feel like I can make every one of them. And when I tee off and, and get rolling with that flat stick, that's when I have a lot of fun. Yeah, well, we know it. We've seen it. All right, last question. Do you think Phil makes it this week? There's been a lot of talk about that. I think he'll make it. Phil? In that top 30. I, I think you know, you know who he is, right? Yeah. <laughs> Have you met him yet? That <laughs> he, he's just joking with all y'all. I mean, who in the world would make this big a publicity stunt about maybe playing? I mean, just either say you're playing or you're not. I can't wait to bust him up on that. Like, get out of here. Quit making headlines, bud. You're 46. <laughs> <laughs> you're 46. Quit, quit taking all the headlines. I mean, so, you, so what do you, what do you, got what do you think? Do you think he's going to play or not? No chance. But he's going to keep his okay. name in the hat so everybody keeps talking about it. 
Oh, man. Nice. All right. So we got all that out of the way. Now we're going to try to do some fun stuff if you're still with us. Grab another grab another glass of Red Blend or whatever it is you're drinking. And Ready. we're going to do a segment we call the Native Area. We started this a few a few few months back. We've had a few tour pros come through it. Pat and Kazire, JT Poston, Will Cox. Um, I think Bauda has been through it. I can't remember. Uh, so the Native Area, you, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just like when you get into the native area on the golf course, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to be able to play it. You're not going to be able to play it. Could be a great lie. Could be a bad lie. The questions could be great. The questions could be terrible. Um, and and so far, we've not had anyone refuse a question. But you're welcome to refuse a question if you want. And um, yeah, just answer honestly. So you ready? Do I get a free T-shirt if I make them all? Yeah, yeah. You get another well, free we, T-shirt. We we've given you plenty of those gifts. Come on now. <laughs> Uh, I wore Ford Junkie's hat today on the course. Shut up. I should have no taken picture. my pick. Yeah, yeah no pictures of that. Next time you got to do that. Thanks, man. We appreciate that, though. It's very nice of you. You got it. Um, all right, so here we go. Have you ever been in a fist fight? Yes. Okay. Who was it against and when was it? Oh, man. Do you know how much trash I've talked to? There's been multiple of those. I you do talk a lot. I, I don't think I've fist fought in almost 15 years. Though, so. So, already, so already the like, first what? person, the first player to answer yes to that question, by the way. That I is true. So the, la- the last person, actually now I remember another one, the most recent guy to go through the native area uh, was Chesson Hadley. And I knew when I asked that question, there was no way in hell Chesson Hadley had ever yes. been in a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to get hit by did. him though. He's got he's got leverage on you. He'd probably he's come down re- top of your head. <laughs> he could probably uh, but you. obviously, he, he was he said no. I'm a lover, not a fighter, boy. So that that was his answer. But um, so if it, if it was 16 years ago, like, do you remember a good one or like what what it was over or how how it went down? Well, I have a seven year older brother, so I pretty much grew up getting beat up all the time. Uh, uh, but there was tons uh, of. Tons of uh, scraps around, you know, us Woodside boys over there growing up in the Woodside. Woodside. <laughs> <laughs> the mean streets of Woodside. Did y'all have like? Did y'all fly? I always had Birdman as my back though. Yeah, I always oh. had old Birdman. Yeah, right, we're gonna have to edit that part out because he, he can't hear his own name on this podcast yet. You know how big his head's <laughs> gonna get. <laughs> he's, he's gonna crappy. have to move out of. He's gonna have to move out of Aiken. He's, it's not gonna fit. <laughs> um. All right. Favorite funny movie. Ugh. Always love Dumb and Dumber. Great one. Yeah. Great oh, one. Yeah. Pretty good one. Step Brothers is another epic movie. I laughed my awesome. ass off that. Yeah. Awesome. Um. All right. With the Greenbrier Classic a month away, this is a multiple choice. Which of these things? Can you do at the Greenbrier Sporting Club, Mr. Kisner? Can you play cricket? Can you participate in boat building? Can you participate in Taibo or falconry? I guess the only one is falconry. That's correct. Is that right? Falconry, (laughs) Greenbrier. Yes, that is. That's correct. Winner. I just, I just cracked up that for that too. I just crack up at that commercial because Phil is like dead serious oh, yeah. on that Greenbrier commercial. And he's like, I mean, if your family enjoys falconry or whatever, I'm like, 
falconry. Who doesn't do who doesn't do falconry on vacation? I guess that's what we go I guess that's vacation. true. I guess that's true. Um, <laughs> all right. Do you have a t- do you have a tattoo? No. Okay. Name three things that you hate. Three things I hate: liars, people that don't pay bets, and people that aren't punctual. Hmm. That bothers me too. The last one, especially. Pat is always yeah. late. Well, yeah, wait a second. Yeah. I was the I first one. Up. Hey, when we jumped in on the the recording here, wasn't I before you? David? Yeah, but that's because you're a kids fanboy. You're just so giddy. <laughs> You've been, actually, I you didn't sleep last night. Late, I think you were two minutes yeah. late, actually. Well, I, but I I do that with with the pros though. You know, I gotta I gotta let the pros know what's you up. You gotta let them know. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, kids gets it, Pat. You you just. You just keep doing what you're doing. All right. Um, wildest thing you've ever seen at a pro-am from an amateur? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm having to step out here and think for a while. I didn't know that. I was That's thinking okay. earlier. <laughs> we, can, had we can edit out. Oh, yeah. I got a good one. I got a good one. Had All a little right, Japanese it? guy spoke no English that had... All the bells and whistles contraptions connected to the belt, as in uh, plug cleaners <laughs> and range finders, and my favorite thing. Not only this dude, but all of them wear their uh, their badges with their uh, lanyards around their neck. They all wear that. Well, they play. And I'm, yeah, I'm like, dude, you know, you can take that off, right? <laughs> but, but this, uh, this little Japanese guy had a, you know, every pro am is par as your partner. And we can't stress that enough. All right, buddy. When you hit your fourth shot on this par four, I don't care if you're 400 yards from the hole. Pick it up. Let's go. Well, this little <laughs> Japanese guy spoke no English, and he had a watch on um, that he clicked every time he made contact, and that was his scorekeeper. Oh, so he, no. He couldn't communicate with him, but he was not a very good golfer. About the 12th hole, and I'd seen him putt out for quads enough, I said, he had about a six footer for nine. Everybody was done. I said, "Hey man, what's that watch say over there?" He was looked up at me like, "What?" And I said, "Yeah, I think it says nine. Everybody <laughs> died laughing at me. Are you kidding me? Uh, that that's so that's all. like a that's like the the old school. Uh, you know, I, I think we're all about roughly around the same age here. I think Pat's a little older, but you know, Adam West, the old Batman, just died. From the original TV Saw series, that. and you remember he had the he had the bat utility belt with everything on it, and that's that was this guy. That's basically what this guy looks. Oh, that's awesome. Um, all right, last one for me, and then I'm going to let Pat finish this out. If you could, we're, we're going to we're getting violent on the, in the native area tonight. If you could punch any celebrity in the face without consequence, who would it be? Any celebrity? I would have punched Kanye when he got on the stage with Taylor Swift for sure. <laughs> Uh, that yeah, would be I the first. That would be the first of many Kanye West blows to the to the grill. I think. He's, <laughs> remember, he got he, he got up in, uh, re- Well, I guess technically, but remember uh, the guy. What's uh, what was the guy that played in Wayne's World and Austin Powers? Remember, um, he got on with him. Mike was it Mike Myers? Is that his name? Do you remember when he, when he did that? And he said the thing. He said the thing about George Bush. Yeah, I do remember yeah. a little bit of that. So there's, that's you another say something one. about a president, you should get punched, too. Yeah, that's true. All right, I think Kanye West is a good answer. All right, Pat, you're up. 
All right, so uh, obviously we, we all know that you recently uh, hooked Dwayne Boxer caddy up with a truck. So Very cool. How many tour, yeah, that was awesome. How many other tour pros do you know have done something like that? And what is the most lavish thing you've ever heard of a pro buying a caddy? Those guys get their caddies watches from what I can tell. But that, I've never been a huge watch guy, so that. I don't really care if you give me a $10,000 watch. I'm like, okay, cool. But uh, <laughs> I, I really don't know about that, how many guys are getting them trucks. But I'll tell you how that whole went down. Me and Brownie and Huey and Benji Thompson and Cash for Ben Martin, we were all playing practice on Tuesday at Colonial. And Huey was saying something about his car was not being awesome. And I said, I'll tell you what, if I win this week, I'll give you my truck. So that's what happened. What? That's awesome. So you yeah, gave him your is. truck. I gave him my truck. And so the whole podcast, I need Pat to tell all the listeners about his little jog from the brew pub, the long drive, and the flip flop. <laughs> yes. I cannot yes. believe that that is, co- that is coming up. Um, well, Kiz, I will answer that question actually. So, yeah, there was. Since a, we're in the in the native area, I figured this is a perfect right. time for you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a late night, and uh, I believe my wife was pregnant. Which anybody who's had a pregnant wife, which is all three, all three of us, getting a little past midnight, and I just was tired of waiting on a cab, so I just decided to run home. Uh, this is not was, a short uh, short jog either for the listeners. This is probably well over a mile and a half. Well, nor is Pat least. the most physically fit individual that you've ever seen. <laughs> I was a little you more fit then. That was like, for this jog. Yeah, that was like, and that, I remember too. I had to like, you know, I thought that it was it'd be a little bit odd for a, a cop to see some guy running down the street in a flip flop. So I remember like a, there, you know, that Wendy's on uh, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. I ended up like hiding in some bushes over there on the way. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that. But yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> I've never. How bad did your feet hurt the next day from running two miles in flip flop? Oh, those little they soft, hurt. tender feet were messed up. <laughs> Let me tell you, they hurt like hell, and and I still got in trouble anyway. So it was like, I should have just stayed out till two a.m. I mean, the run. Did you make it so home? Quick. Hell yeah, I made it home. I think record time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After your little dive into the bushes at Wendy's, besides the dive into the bushes at Wendy's, I was sprinting the entire way. You know, you could you you probably could have shaved at least four to five minutes off your time if you weren't wearing pleated pants that were dragging like dragging wind. Exactly. You know, like you could have easily made a better time. I'm sure. Uh, you know, Somebody question, kids. That was good. I love you, Pat. I just wanted everybody to know about this nice jog you took. Hey, listen, <laughs> Pat has incriminated Pat has incriminated himself plenty through our Twitter account. So everyone kind of <laughs> yeah. all right. So wait, wait. Before, all right, we, I'm going to ask a few more now that that's been, so, <laughs> yeah. no, sir. I'm done. We're ending on that note. That was no, no. We're not ending on <laughs> that. One last. I want to talk about something, kids. I know. I know you fish a lot, and. uh you recently posted a picture of you having a bunch, just a mess of fish that I know you, you caught with a captain net. So what's the best way to cook mullet? I mean, you cook, <laughs> you grill it, you smoke it. I mean, what's the best way, kids? 
I stopped over to one of those bridges and had my cane pole, and they were just fighting that day, so I loaded up the cooler with them. Uh, those are actually trout, bud. Uh, actually, I paid the guy to clean those, and then I went home and cooked them like I knew what I was doing in front of everybody, but I didn't have a clue either. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been that would have been my move. That would have totally been my move. Well, I wouldn't have had a cane pole in my truck. I can tell you that much. But <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. All you gotta do is lift up. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I just you know, I, I'm sure I could. I'm sure I could find a way to screw that up too. I'm not a I'm not a fisher person, fisherman. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely aren't. Cause you called me and you called me in the Walmart. What was that about two months ago? One. It was a Bass Pro. No, it was not a Walmart. You keep saying that it was a Bass Pro, that, which they had like fifty aisles of fishing stuff. And I'm there with my twelve year old son who really wants to fish, and his dad knows absolutely nothing about fishing. So I needed some help. So I thought I'd call a friend, but you keep ratting me out about this. <laughs> well, so he was of no I mean, help as usual. Well, I, I mean, I guess he was. I, I mean, I took his advice. He knew more than I did, so I, I just did it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, did you um, catch, all right. catch fish with the 12-year-old? Uh, I did not, no. I think he did, they, but I did not. Yeah, yeah, David has a pond behind his house, yet he still does not know how to fish in that pond. <laughs> no, I don't. I'll ask you a couple more, and then, and then we'll let you go. All right, so what kind of dog does Amanda Balionis have? French. Dang, don't screw this up, kids. Hey. I think it's a French bulldog. Oh, my God, yes. I right? love that he knows the answer to that. Yes, that's right. I love that he I knows talked to her more than my wife. Man. I talked to her like <laughs> six times in the last three weeks. And you can't talk to her or follow her on any social media platform and not know that she doesn't have a freaking French bulldog. It's <laughs> like, named after like sausage you, or something like. It's named sausage yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you probably have that dog shot record somewhere. Yeah, I probably. She's probably oh, showing it to me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love uh, that. Last last question. So besides the tour junk. Who is uh, you? I mean, I know you've been a little bit more active on Twitter lately. But who's your favorite follow on Twitter? Man, I always love listening to what Kip Henley has to say, especially when you can tell yeah. he's got a couple of couple of drinks on there. Yeah, <laughs> we've had him He'll on the get show. Rolling. He was he was uh, yeah, pretty fantastic. He was pretty so funny. I'm, I'm I'm totally with you. All right, David, do you have anything else, or, or can we let can we let kids go? He's given us some well. Good stuff. Yeah, he definitely has. And, I mean, the first player to ever turn around and ask one of us a question in the native area, I think, is definitely <laughs> worth at least another really, really average tour junkies t-shirt. So, we can definitely make that happen. Um, but the, the last question we do ask everybody is, knowing what you know of the native area and having survived, what tour pro do you think would be entertaining to hear on the next tour junkies native area? Matt Every. Matt, that's the second wow. time we've gotten him. Isn't that? Isn't it, Pat? It is. And, and Somebody he's, else. For one, he's a, he's a gator, which is surprising yeah, enough. Yeah, but he's not afraid. And he's got no filter. Who else told us that? Uh, what was it? Kazire told us that. Somebody told us Matt Every, and we were like, "Really? We should get him on." Yeah. Destin Hadley said Mark Hubbard that he was funny. Yeah, you, you may not know. I don't him. know Hubby that well, but I imagine he is. Yeah. 
Well, great, man. We appreciate you being on. I mean, if there's any other incriminating stories you need to tell about Pat, now is your opportunity, gonna, or if you, you know. No, 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 no. I got to say some artillery for them. So when y'all call me in the next few months and ask me to come back on, I still have plenty of artillery. Perfect. There's a lot out. <laughs> Love out. that plan. Love that plan. Yeah, um, all right, man. We appreciate you being on the Tour Junkies podcast. And, uh, man, we there, there's truly not a guy we pull for harder than kids. In fact, we I'm even trying to get a, a hashtag popular. I don't know if you've seen this, kids. But, and you may not like it. So, actually, right now, you can tell me if you like it or not. And if, if you don't like it, I'm just going to tell you kids? you might. Yes, who let the kids? I love that hashtag. So I started that. I've laughed I'm at like, it a few times. Yes, because what you mentioned it earlier, and I almost stopped you earlier when you were like, "Man, when I when my putter gets hot, and I'm and I'm you know I can get streaky, and that's what it feels like because it feels like well, Brownie kind of does it too. Like Brownie can get hot too, and he just goes on these birdie runs. But both of you guys, like, you just get really hot, and it feels like birdie after birdie after birdie after birdie, and then. You know, you're also a guy who kind of plays with some fire, with a little bit of heat, and I just think it's perfect. So, all right, Dave, it's all on that. you. Then you got you got to make this happen. God, I, I I feel amazing right now. You know, I feel <laughs> I feel empowered. I feel I feel empowered. Yeah. All right, I, we need to cut yeah. this. We need to cut this part out of the podcast. But you mentioned Step Brothers. My favorite quote from the movie Step Brothers is when they're in the yard and they and they first realize that now they might actually have something in common. <laughs> and Will Ferrell says, I feel like I feel like a lightning bolt hit me on the tip of my penis. <laughs> 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 That's what it feels like. Right he now? said he told me to roll with who let the kids. This is great. We're gonna have t shirts. This is this is amazing. Uh, All right. I'm pumped uh, about that. I I'm good. Let's let's end this now because your head is getting well, I, me to No, get I love drink. a great I love a great marketing. Like that is a incredible hashtag. And it fits him so well. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I love that part. You don't get fired up about that, Pat. Like, I get fired up about that kind of thing. You're a marketing genius, Dave. Thank you, Kiz. <laughs> that part is not getting edited out of the podcast. <laughs> In fact, I'm, I, might ma- I might make that a ringtone. <laughs> you care if I make that a ringtone? Uh, all right. All right, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Um, all right, y'all be good. Fun. Let me know if y'all need anything else. Hey, go win. Thank you, Kiz. Might as well. All right, everybody. That was our boy, Kiz, Kevin Kisner, giving us some time during his U.S. Open week. We really appreciated Kiz doing that. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. He gave some phenomenal insight, Pat, into Aaron Hills. And I know we'll talk about that as we get into our course breakdown a little later. So we, we, we much appreciated that, it being a new venue and him having just seen the course that day. But the native area with Kiz was hands down the greatest native area I believe we've ever had. It it had to have been. And then, you know, we obviously we got the the tables turned a little bit where he, he put me in the native area for a second. Turn around every <laughs> now and then Yeah. <laughs> totally. We've never had that done. I mean, a first and, and count on Kiz to be the one to break the mold and flip the script and make you come out and confess a little something. Uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Funny you use the word flip, like flip flop. That's right. Flip flop. So, <laughs> that was funny. That was, that was a, uh, I, I, he, he did surprise me a little bit bringing up that story, but it is a, yeah. it is a true story. Very true. It did happen. Really pumped to hear Kiz rocking the uh, the TJ hat on the course the uh, Sunday too. That was pretty awesome. Um, glad to know he likes the he likes the swag. 
Yeah. So I, I, I wish he had taken a picture, but that's okay. We we can't ask I for do, too much. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Definitely sounds confident as ever. Also, highlight of my week. In fact, when we got done with the recording, I came <laughs> downstairs and my wife goes, so I'm guessing the interview went well. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. She was like, yeah, I heard you screaming. Why were you screaming? <laughs> so then I had to explain the uh, the hashtag who lit the kids. I had to explain that. And, of course, she's looking at me like a deer in the headlights. Like, um, you're 33, and you're giddy and screaming over a hashtag? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And you called me, you you called it, me the fanboy. Yeah, when you say it out loud, it does sound a little goofy. But I just think that hashtag has a lot of potential, and it could be a lot of fun to market and push that. So you guys help us do that when he gets on a roll this week at Aaron Hills. Uh, so that, that buttons up the Kisner interview. If you skipped to this point, you did it wrong um, because he does give a ton of insight. If you're strictly interested in the picks, which I'm not sure why you would be interested in hearing us talk and not Kevin Kisner, but if you did that and you skipped forward, you need to go back and listen because he does give us some great insight into Aaron Hills, which we can talk about in just a second. But speaking of the native area, Pat, we have a new opportunity. I don't even want to call it a contest. It's just an opportunity. For our TJ listeners who enjoy the native area segment, uh, we see some more of these on the horizon, and we want you guys to help us participate in getting these done. So we want you to help think of some native area questions for future tour pros. Uh, so we want you guys to be creative. We want you to, you know, you guys have heard a few of these by now. We've had, I think, four or five or six native area segments to this point. So you kind of have an idea of the questions we want to ask. We don't want to ask the traditional golf questions that these guys get asked. We want to go off the wall. We want it to be funny. And take some risks with your questions. And listen, all you have to do is email us native area question ideas to info at tourjunkies.net. Again, email us at info at tourjunkies.net. And give us even just one idea, or you can write out 10 Native Area questions. If you want extra credit, you can do that. We don't care. Just give us some questions. And everybody who emails us over the next two weeks with some Native Area questions is going to be entered into a drawing, and we are going to give away a remainder of the season's subscription to the Roto Grinder Shot in the Arm content that Pat and I put out every week. And if you are already participating in that um, native area season, or not native area, the Shot in the Arm season pass, uh, and you let us know, then we'll trade in that for some swag. But you have to be already participating in the Shot in the Arm season pass. It's a great value. It's $6 a week for the rest of the season. Um, so it's a it's a decent value for all you having to do is have like one creative synapse fire and send an email. So I think it's pretty easy. We'd love you guys to help us out on that. Well, um, and, it, and it helps us out a little, right? <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah. It it mainly helps me because I do I do most of that. Except for you did that one bad question that Kiz asked. Oh, uh, um, you? Well, never mind. <laughs> no, you're right. I did. <laughs> um, a quick recap for the St. Jude before we get into Aaron Hill. St. Jude Classic, Daniel Berger, back-to-back winner. We had some green screens, Pat, and they could have been a lot better. They, but, they could have. They, they could have been um, one of our here, better weeks the, of the season. Here's the deal, you guys. We are preaching to the choir because this is not the first time. This is not the second time. May not even be the third time that we've said this. But if you are going to play cash games and you enter cash lineups 
into cash games and do not enter those cash lineups into GPP contests, you will be very, very sore when that potential lineup could have won you lots of monies. And that is what happened to yours truly. This past week, um, I had a cash lineup in our like buddies friend league that scored 528 points, which would have won thousands of dollars. It would have won the Thunderdome. Um, it would have done a lot of great things for your boy, but did not enter it in any other contest other than that $5 Buddies League contest that we do. So I did win a whopping 33 bucks on that contest. Nice job. But nice job. Yeah. So there was that. I know you had a pretty good lineup in a couple. Uh, you had some green screens and had a decent lineup that kind of faded on Sunday. Looked like you could have had a, a, a four or five figure payout on Sunday, but that that all went to pot. Um, it did. We had some good. We had some good picks though. We only picked twenty one guys. We had kind of a fast podcast last week. We picked twenty one guys. We did have five miss the cut, which is a little disappointing. But a lot of them are kind of some lower end guys, other than uh, you know Russell Henley kind of messes up. But of the ones we got right, seven finished in the top 10 and 10 finished in the top 25. So we had a lot of good scrubs coming through like Chez Reavy and Harris English and Trey Mullinax and those guys. So if you had some of those guys as pivot plays, you likely had a good week. So I think that's enough about the St. Jude. We are ready to get on to the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills and Pat for the sake of time, we're moving we're moving quite nicely. Why don't you go ahead and hit us with the course breakdown? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing this week is obviously we are on a course uh, that they have never played the U.S. Open on before at Aaron Hills Golf Course in Aaron, Wisconsin. Actually, Aaron Township, Wisconsin. Uh, it's playing officially at 7,741 yards. But as you heard Kiz mention in, in his, uh, you know, talking about the course, he, he basically said they, they can change it up to however they want. So I'm not really, you know, going to say officially it's, it's 7741 because I think they'll change it up every day. Um, you got really wide fairways here, which is unusual for a U.S. Open. I think, you know, typically you, you want to look at your accurate drivers, but I think it's going to be a little bit different this year as far as just because you got these wide fairways. And you look at, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the fescue or, as as Kiz mentioned, the heather, which I had not heard before, by the way. But, um, yeah, you know, I think that it's going to be important to hit fairways, but I just don't think it's going to be – as big of a deal as you typically see at a U.S. Open because, because like I mentioned, the wide fairways. And and these guys, I mean, the Kevin Na video is getting a lot of play right now. But I just don't know if that's an accurate, you know, description of, you know, what they're, they're just going to be, you know, guys in that heather or fescue all day long because I, I think, you know, they should be able to, to at least keep it in play. Uh, you got bent grass greens this week. As Kiz mentioned, they are very pure. They have not pl- gotten a whole lot of play since October when they shut this course down. So I think that is going to lend itself to your your great putters uh, that, that typically fare well on bent grass greens, you know, kind of your, your, your guys that, that play well out, of, out, out at the national uh, that's I think that's going to be important this week. Uh, you know, they did have a USGA championship here, and that was the 2011 U.S. Amateur, which Kelly Craft won. But let me let me tell you that I actually dug a little deeper into the scoring that week, and they only played that course actually one day out of the two. Uh, they played some other course. It was a par 70, and it was like 6,400 yards, which to me is just ridiculous. But 
on the day they played Aaron Hills, you had guys like Jordan, Justin Thomas, Russell Henley, Peter Uline, and I believe that was it. That the the best score was sixty seven at Aaron Hills when they had the U.S. Amateur, and JT was sixty eight, Jordan was sixty nine, Henley was sixty nine, and Uline was sixty eight. So those guys actually performed pretty well. I I, I just kind of thought that was interesting, David. So I, I wanted to give you a little added. Dimension I like here. that. Way to go. Way to go. Um, weather this week, we're, we, we're not going to typically talk weather, but I will say that if the winds are blowing, it's going to really affect this course. Right now, I'm not really seeing the winds as being a huge factor until maybe Sunday. By the way, if you're looking at, at wind and you're looking at the weather, Thompson, Wisconsin is what you're going to want to Google search or if you're on Weatherbug or some weather app because you're not going to find the Aaron Township on that app. So look at Thompson, Wisconsin. That's where you're going to get the best weather. Past champs, you had DJ last year, Jordan Spieth in 2015, Martin Keimer in 2014 in a runaway at, uh, at Pinehurst, and then you had 2013, Justin Rose, and 2012, Webb Simpson. So there you go. I'll let you go, go over some of the stats you're looking at. Well, I, th- I think uh, interesting. Interestingly enough, it is the first par seventy-two we've had in over twenty-five years True. for a U.S. Open. Um, so four par fives, which is going to be different. The, the one par five, the last one uh, reaching like six hundred and forty yards if they want it to. Um, a lot of shaved areas around the greens. You didn't really mention that. I think that's something that Kiz touched on as far as the chipping and and. Um, you know, not going to be a lot of putting off these greens. Not going to be a lot of Texas wedge style putting off the greens like Keimer did at Pinehurst. Yeah. Um, very little trees. I think there's like nine trees on the whole golf course. So you mentioned the wind. I mean, I feel like even though even though there's not a lot in the forecast at the moment, it seems like the consensus is there will be some wind, uh, and that is really a big defense of the golf course. So. I do think that's something to wait. Um, I think one of the biggest things to remember, and, and if if I could, if you're new at this or you're relatively new at this, here's a huge thing to remember when you're setting your lineups. There are over 150 golfers in this field. It's like 156. Only the top 60 and ties are going to make the cut. Not the top 70. Not the top 60 and those within 10 shots of the lead. That rule is gone. It is only the top 60 and ties are making the cut. Now, granted, you know, you've probably got 30 guys, uh, some of these amateurs and, and uh, you know, qualifiers, no-namers that are just total garbage. Um, but, but you still have a lower percentage of the field that is going to get through the cut. And I think that's important when you're setting your lineups, especially if you're playing smaller contests or cash games. It, it just... You need to be a little more balanced, a little more conservative, I think, when you're playing those style of contests. Um, so that's just a strategy piece to remember, that it's not top 70 in ties, and it's not top 60 in ties and, and 10 shots within the lead. So I think that's important. So, you know, as far as key stats, I think this is, this is you know, everybody's talking about the key stats and talking about bombers or accuracy guys or, who you know, which one do you lean to and... 
another thing to think about is there is some rain going on. Even right now as we record this podcast, it's Monday night. It is storming in the Aaron Township at the moment as we speak, and it's expected to storm all day tomorrow on Tuesday with like an 80% chance of rain. Um, it's supposed to be clear on Thursday, and I think I think if the golf course gets that much rain, you could see the first day or so a little softer than, than what you would expect. Um, which may play a little more in favor to to your longer hitters, um, but as Pat said, there are, there are a lot of tee box variances on this golf course, so you can't they can stretch it out if if they feel like it's soft and they want it to play longer and harder, then they'll stretch it out. Um, so you know we'll, we'll just have to see. But when it comes to stats, I think you know for me, I focused heavily on basically all the strokes gained stats. Uh, I mean strokes gained off the tee is pretty important for me. I didn't look at driving accuracy. I didn't look at total driving. I just looked at strokes gain off the tee as it's a great representation of those guys who not only gain strokes bombing, but also those guys who gain strokes just pounding the middle of the fairway or the right side of the fairway or appropriate side of the fairway so they have the best angle of attack into these approach shots. There are a lot of blind shots on this golf course. So, uh, you know, I think not just being in the middle of the fairway, but being in the right quadrant or right side of the fairway is important. Uh, so strokes gained off the tee something I weighed heavily. Strokes gained approach, as always, is a stat. But I actually kind of weighed that a little less than I usually do because I, I, I weighted up on strokes gained putting and strokes gained around the green based on what Kiz is telling us. Um, you know, I, I think one of the key points he made is just talking about how good putters on these greens are really going to thrive and, and they're going to see these, these, these lines and see these breaks and the, the green's going to do what it looks like it's going to do. And so I think you give a big edge to guys who can putt the ball uh, really well. I mean, you can bomb and gouge all you want, but if you can't putt, it's 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 really not just really not going to matter. Um, so I really honed in on those four stats. I did not try to nail down as as normal. I don't try to do this. I didn't try to nail down some kind of approach distance. I think that's just. I think that's kind of a noisy thing to do, a uh, noisy stat, and, and with the variance in how this course can play, uh, may be futile anyway because you just don't know what the USGA is going to do and you don't know what these guys are going to have into these greens. So I, I do you know, I do think it's going to be one of those weeks where anybody can win. I still think that's the case. Now, when it comes to your more accurate players, I definitely, I don't know about you, Pat, but I definitely looked more at guys who are accurate but hit it long enough kind of like your Kisners and your Spieths who can still hit it over 300, 310 if they need to. Um, you know, so, so not quite your, you know, your really short hitters, uh, you know, your Zach Blairs of the world, which he's not in the field, but a guy like that. I, I didn't really look at that, but guys who can hit it a little longer um, if necessary. And then for the Bombers, just really looking at Bombers with some short game is what I'm looking at. So I know I... I know that was a long ramble, but I think it was all important information. I, I agree. It was it was kind of long, but but uh, did you did you check out at all? No, I was paying attention the whole time because actually I will say I agree with you for the most part on all the stats. I mean, I'm looking at mostly strokes gained, um, and I and I'm I'm kind of zeroing in on around the green and putting, uh, but definitely strokes gained off the tee. Also looked at a little bit at proximity just because that's been I've been faring well lately looking at that stat and I think again you're going to have to hit your spots on this course just like any course that you may play or especially a major uh, I was watching Golf Channel tonight and they were actually uh, you know they had Frank Nablo in one of the greens just talking about how 
you really i mean if you hit the wrong side of it with the, the way these greens are you're just you're not going to have a shot at it you know it could run off completely and then you turn what could be an easy par into you know a double or a bogey so i do think you're going to have to hit your spots on the green you got to get it you know where you need it to be so i did look at some proximity not a whole lot but i did have some weight there so other than that i'm totally with you on the stats well, speaking of stats, uh, I think we should mention in the shot in the arm this week, we do have a little extra content over there on Rotor Grinders. If you, uh, even if you're not a member of Rotor Grinders, you can go over there and check out the Daily Marketplace and our Shot in the Arm product. It's only $5.99 this week, and we've added a substantial amount of information to it, and it's already in there, so you can go look at it. And one of those pieces of information is strokes gain studs data, and it basically looks at those four strokes gain categories that we talked about, and it tells you who's popping the top 15 guys in this field that are popping the last 12 rounds, 24 rounds, and 36 rounds that they have played. So it kind of gives you a good sense of very recent form and then kind of your, your more mid and, and seasonal form for these guys on, on each of those categories. And we did some deep dive into Vegas odds versus DraftKings pricing and you know have about, it uh, looks like, 11 anomalies that we kind of picked out and said, you know, these are some names. Names that we feel like are, are 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 quite different when you look at Vegas odds versus DraftKings, uh, and that's in addition to the the typical content that we have up every week. So. Uh, our FanDuel and Fantasy Draft strategy session, our Trash to Treasure picks, the two guys that we're going to fade this week, and our Great Fantastic Four, which are the four guys that Pat and I strongly agree on that you should play. So that's in the shot in the arm this week. That's all I'll, I'll say about that. And let's get into some picks, shall we, Patrick? Let's do it. All right. So... You know, obviously you've got the Millionaire Maker on DraftKings. You've got a lot of good contests. You've also got a, uh, which I mentioned in the in the intro, um, but the, the contest over on Fantasy Draft, if you guys are not taking advantage of the PGA Tour Card contest on Fantasy Draft, you're missing out. There's, there's, uh, it's a $25 entry fee, and um, you can max entry 25 times. It's a $100,000 uh, salary cap over there. You pick seven golfers, and you keep the best six. It's a lot of fun. And right now, there's some, uh, there's some value to be had in that contest. So I definitely think you need to check that out on Fantasy Draft. But when it comes to DraftKings, you've obviously got the Millie Maker. But we're going to talk um, strategies primarily for GPPs tonight. Uh, Millie Maker and, and then some, because honestly, I will probably have more money not in the Millie Maker than I will in the Millie Maker. So the the question for the G, for GPPs is when you look at this large five digit range from DJ down to Sergio, what do you do? And I feel like the consensus is you're gonna have to have at least one person or two from this range. I think that's that's fair. If you if you're doing a number of lineups and you want to start just below Sergio at like a, a Rose Hideki Henrik combo. I think that's fine, but I don't think you should do a lot of those. I feel like, you know, chances are your winner or at least a couple of your top five guys are going to come uh, from these first uh, seven golfers. So I think that's a fair, fair argument. The question is, who do you take? And you can't play all of them and you got to fade somebody. So first of all, I won't I won't nail you down on the picks, Pat, but do you agree with the strategy as far as GPPs? Or let's just say if, if you're playing 
if you're playing 10 lineups, just 10, will you have any lineups that start below Sergio Garcia? I may have, out of that 10, I may have one. May have one. So, okay, if you're playing 20 lineups. Two. Okay. All right. So basically what I'm telling you is I, I would probably do that in, in like 10% maybe. Ooh, good math. That was really good math. I, I, I was trying to work that out in my head. But, nice because I, I think you can do that and have a pretty, you know, good chance at a GPP if you just completely fade this top 10K range. I, now, I will say, that being said, I do agree. You've got to – I think you've got to have one of these guys up here. And they're hard to peg this week. I think – you know, you could make a case almost for everyone over 10K. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I don't think there's a clear, just clear fade out of those top seven at all. You, you've you got to plant a flag and, and accept it and just move on. I, yeah, and I agree. And I, I, I think, for me... Jordan Spieth is going to be the guy that I plant my flag the most in. in okay. This, in this. So I'll start with that. I mean, you know, we taught the, the stats. He, he's obviously going to fit a lot of stat categories. He's, you know, strokes gained approach. He fits there. Putting, he, we know he traditionally puts pretty well on bent grass greens. Um, you know, so I just think if, if you're going to, if you're going to take a guy that it could end up being maybe a little bit contrarian out of this group, uh, I think Jordan Spieth is going to be the guy who I'm going to play a lot of. So that'll be that'll be the first one that I'll give you. Now, I don't know if you want to flip flop back and forth since we're it's a big week with the U.S. Open, but but I could give you another one if you want. Well, I um I, I, I agree. I agree with uh, with the Spieth call. He is. I'm, I'm going to pick three guys out of this range to to plant my flag on. And, um, you know, and I, and I haven't decided just yet which one or two I'll have the most exposure to. I might wait till Wednesday night and kind of get a sense of who everybody's talking up. But Spieth is one of them, I think, coming back into form. Um, you know, he, he's he's his approach game has been in form of late. It's really been a struggle off the tee, which he seemed to have, have found OK here recently. But, you know, with the wider fairways and, and he's not losing it completely off the reservation, I feel like Spieth is a, is okay to, to get by off the tee this week. And then you talk about a scrambler and a guy who can putt when he sees the line is Jordan Spieth. I mean, if, if he starts pouring him in, you can forget it. So, you know, and I do think you're right. I think on, on an ownership play, he will be likely the fourth at best highest owned guy. I think. I mean, I think. So. Here's. The I thing. think your top three are going to be DJ, uh, Rom, and Fowler. I think those are your top three highest owned guys. Uh, and I don't know if that's the exact order. I just think that's what it's going to be. So I think if Spieth is the next highest owned out of that group, he's still the fourth highest going out highest owned out of seven. Well, and I agree. And here's the thing about Spieth too. I mean, we we saw that he won at Chambers Bay, which was a new course that, that nobody had really seen before. We got that again this year. I feel like his team that's around him is probably one of the best out there as far as preparing for a tournament, and especially on a new course. So to me, there's there's something to be said for that as well. I think, you know, with having a great caddy like Michael Greller on the bag, I think they're going to be as prepared as, as anybody is in this tournament uh, on a new course. So 
that that's another factor that I, that I do like this week. I mean, all these guys have good caddies. I understand that, but I, I just think he's he's got the best team in the world around him. So. Well, my uh, I agree. My my next play is just below him, and I wrestled with this and wrestled with it. But I wow. think I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I think Rory is going under the radar. And here's what I know of Rory: when I started doing the strokes gain numbers, um, he just slays it off the tee as far as gaining strokes, which we know. Slays it in approach, which we know. I like the fact that he switched to this new putter, the that's, same putter that Jason, that Jason Day's been yeah, lighting up. That's the key. It's the putter. I like that. I like that he's done it, and I like the confidence that he's willing to pull the trigger and do it in this U.S. Open. And I, I just feel good about it. I know that he's already played. I mean, it's, again, it's Monday night. He's already played 36 holes at Aaron Hills, and he said he feels fine. To me... That is huge. For him to come out and prepare for a major, coming off of a slight back concern, and play 36 holes before Monday, or before Tuesday, says a lot. And I think Rory could go as the fifth, at best, highest owned guy out of these top seven. And if you get Rory McIlroy at, a, you know, at, at that kind of ownership, um, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about myself, you know, trusting that he's going to make trusting that he's going to make all four days and his health holds up. So I'm going to plant my flag on Rory. It feels a little risky, but that's what I'm doing. Well, you know, I like when we get to argue a little bit, but I'm not going to argue with Rory because I was wrestling with the same decision. And then as I just started looking more and more into it, he I, I think you're entirely right. And I'm I'm going to have him in some GPPs. I, I just don't see how I can avoid him. Uh, obviously, it's going to be his putter that's going to be key. But if his putter's on just a little bit, he should easily be in contention here. And he also checked the box on that proximity stat that I mentioned as well. So besides the strokes gained stats, he he checks that one too. So I'm with you there. And I'm going to say this. I think that uh, you're probably going to disagree with me here, but I am going to have a little bit of Jason Day. I think, you know, he's he's obviously a good putter. Checks the box on strokes gained around the green. You look at his last two tournaments, he was second at the AT&T Byron Nelson. He was 15th at the Memorial with a pretty good weekend at the Memorial. So I, I think Day is, is someone who's going to be another kind of overlooked guy in GPPs because, like you said, I think DJ Fowler, Rom, and, and maybe even Garcia are going to be more going to be higher in. So that I'm going to have some some exposure today. Well, Patrick Perry, um, we are in total agreement. Jason Day is the third and final guy out of this top tier that I am looking at, and I'm going to take, again, when I started doing the strokes gain numbers, he, he just checked so many boxes lately, especially around the green and putting. We know that those things have saved him lately with some of his finishes. The driver's been a little concerned. The approach game's been a little, of, you know, a little bit of a concern. Uh, but I, I'm I'm going with with the major championship Jason Day version coming out. Uh, here at Aaron Hills, and, and I'm going to roll with the three guys who I think, other than maybe Sergio, are going to be the lowest owned of the bunch. Now, you know that doesn't mean I'm going to absolutely fade these other guys. Like I just don't know. I don't know how many. It depends on how many lineups I end up setting on Wednesday night. 
But for the most part, those are the three guys I'm rolling with. And if you just completely disagree and you want to roll with Rom and, and DJ and Fowler, I get it. I totally get it. Uh, the the only one I do have more, I do have a legitimate concern about is Fowler. Um, I know the FedEx St. Jude is a is a is the FedEx St. Jude, but at the same time, Fowler was yanking the ball off the tee all over the place, and it wasn't great to see. So I, I don't feel as good about him. I have no. No problems with Rom and DJ and their most recent miscut. I think they're fine. I think you roll with them. They're great players. Um, but, you know, I was reminded today, a guy at work at my real job, Pat, um, <laughs> who has heard me talk about Tour Junkies and DraftKings for so long. He's a huge golf fan, but he's never done fantasy golf. He decided, He walked in my office today and he said, I did it. And I said, what would you do? And he said, I opened my DraftKings account. Now I need your help. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's talk, man. So I, I kind of gave him this little tutorial. And, and it reminded me, just talking to him, You know, he was looking at some of these big contests and he's getting all googly-eyed over the money that he can win and all this kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, listen, man, You know, yes, you can look at this GPP and say, man, Twenty four percent. All I gotta do is figure. All I gotta do is finish in the top twenty four percent, right? And you make money. Well, yeah, that's true. But you're likely not playing in that GPP to double your money, or you'd just be playing in a double up with way better odds, right? You're playing in that GPP to win good money, big money, which is typically finishing in the top two percent or better. Very difficult. And, and and that's what I think in weeks like this with big fields, a lot of public, I think that's one thing you think about. And and to me, you know, I mean, Spieth, Rory, and Day, all world class players, all major champions, all with a couple of question marks, but you know. You get them at lower ownership, and you have a huge edge on the field if something happens. And you get that top 1% to 2%, and those guys help you out. And you might can be a little more chalky in the middle, okay? Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather take risk with a higher-end player, a higher, um, you know, just a, a stud. I'd rather take more risk with a stud than a guy in the 7K range right now. So that's the thought process. I know we spend a lot of time on those guys, but I think it's the biggest hang up that people have this week and 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 if you if you want to go and play all seven of these guys you're going to be hard pressed to actually make a substantial amount of money you're probably just going to break even or you know yeah well not not do much and i'm with you i I do think though you did mention 7k i think that you can actually make good lineups this week with like say a rory and day or even a spieth and day and absolutely and use some of those guys in that 7k range because i like the 7k range and, and i know i mean i think you're and there's even some some really good value in the 6k range that i'm sure we'll talk about but you know i'm not as big and we'll be down here we'll you know we're, i'm sure about to talk 9 and 8k which i'm not as huge on so anyway my point is really is you can get two of those top tier guys in a lineup if you want to and i'm and i'm probably going to do it Totally agree. Um, all right, well, let's get into the 9K range and the 8K range. You said you're not uh, you're not a big fan. Let's go ahead and tackle it all the way from Justin Rose down to uh, this past week's champ, Daniel Berger, at 8,000. Who in this range are you going to be are you going to be having some exposure to? Well, at the top, I do like Justin Rose. I think he is um, the play in the 9K range, and he's going to be my only play there. Um, you know, he checks the box and strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained around the green. I do like that price at 9800 He could easily have kind of slipped into this 10K range. So I like Justin Rose. 
And other than that, you know, Adam Scott intrigues me a little bit at 8,800. I think um, I am going to have some ownership to him. He ranks 13th in the field in strokes gained off the tee, uh, fourth in strokes gained approach, which we're not weighing quite as heavily. But I do like Scott. I think that's a price that that uh, is a little cheap for him and, and off. So I, I am going to take some Scott. Yeah, Brandon Grace is one that I'm seeing a lot just in, in some initial research and a little little Twitter uh, buzz. But I, I just I don't see the Brandon Grace love at 8600. I, I I think I don't even understand that price to be honest. So I'm going to fade him. The other guy that I'll mention just in the 8000 range is uh, Paul Casey at 8400. 8, I think. He's a very good play at that price. He checks the box on strokes gained approach, also strokes gained around the green. He's top 10 in both those categories. So I will have some Paul Casey ownership. So there you go. Well, we will have our first disagreement of the night in Paul Casey. I'm not really a big fan of, but it's not so much that I can like staunchly disagree with your your strategy. It's just I just won't have a whole lot of guys in this range. I I do have some concern about his putter, but other than that, I mean, I don't whatever. I'm not going to get mad at you uh, for playing Paul Casey. I completely agree with Justin Rose. Love Justin Rose at 9800. Like you said, checks a lot of boxes off the tee, um, around the green, checks boxes. Um, just you know, putts well at places like Augusta with a lot of pure greens. Uh, so if you want to look at that as a potential corollary, at least around the greens, I think you should. So I love the Justin Rose play. Always goes a little undervalued, a little under the radar. Hideki, I was on in the beginning of the week, and I've talked myself out of it as, as the week progresses. Not a huge fan of the form as it relates to like Hideki level form. And we also know that like his putter's been what's held him back. And and I don't I don't really want to see a lot of that um missed putts from five and six feet. Stenson for the same reason for me. Um I could see myself warming up a little bit to Brooks Kepka as the week progresses, but we'll just see. That's all I'm gonna say. So maybe catch us in the in the shot in the arm chat room and I'll I'll let you know my thoughts on that by Wednesday night. Um the only other thing I'll say especially as as I just mentioned Kepka is one of the US Open uh DraftKings versus Vegas odds anomalies that I did find is Justin Thomas has the same Vegas odds to win as Brooks Kepka, yet seven hundred dollars cheaper. So if you're kind of on the fence between one of those guys, maybe that maybe that puts you over the top. But uh, that's that's just just a note that I had really more than anything. So I'm actually with you. I'm not going to have a lot of guys in this range, and and most of it's because I'm scared of all their putters. I mean, Duffner's putter, Bubba's putter, JT's putter, Casey's putter. I mean, it, it's everybody's Adam Scott's putter. Honestly, it, this is like the range of guys who, if their putter clicks, it could happen. But a lot of guys who just can't really gain strokes on the on the putting green. So, well, I, I will not have much. I need to say actually, I, I do. I, JT is an interesting one for me, though. I, I kind of think there's there's. A, I, I may look at him later in the week, kind of like you mentioned with with Kepka. He's he's one of those that that I'm I'm a little bit interested in. So, Justin Thomas could easily find his way into some of my lineups, and he's coming off a pretty good you know start over at the Memorial, where a lot of pe- people didn't expect him to play that well. So, um, yeah, I did not. Yeah, so there you go. All right, the 7K range is chocked full. Like, I have, let's see, I mean, I have 
Well, I have seven plays in the seven K range that I'm gonna have. That that's gonna that will likely every one of them are gonna make my GPP player pool. I, uh, I love love this range. You have eight. All right, <laughs> all right. Let's try to hammer this out. Why don't you give me your top uh, or the guys over seventy five hundred. 7,500 and above. Why don't you give me this? All right, so I'll give you my top three. I love Brant Snedeker this week at 7,800. I think he is going to be extremely low-owned in GPPs. I don't know why. He he always puts well he, in, in majors. He plays well in majors. Uh, checks the box on strokes gained around the green. I think, you know, another thing to look at with Sneds, if you're playing on Fantasy Draft, he is very good value at 13.5 on Fantasy Draft. Um, so I think... Sneds is one of those guys that, that I, I think you know you could easily see play well here. Seventy eight hundred is a good price for him. Also, you know, and this guy may end up being pretty chalky, but I do like Cooch at seventy six hundred. The guy's just steady as they come. That's a good price for him. It checks the box on strokes gained off the tee and around the green. So I will have some ownership to Coocher, especially if I'm going to look at you know possibly playing like a you know a day rory lineup i think you can fit cooch in there who's very solid and then go into that six range and find some good plays the last one i'll mention is thomas peters one day he's going to hit for us on a major because i just the guy's just world class we obviously saw him play at the Ryder cup and i think he you know at what is he 7700 this week you know he can bomb it on this course as long as he he keeps that driver in the fairway I think Peters is going to be a very good play this week. So there you go. There's there's three. All right. So disagreement with Snedeker. Just don't like the form. Um, disagreement with Thomas Peters. I I think he's going to be pretty chalky, and I don't think it's a bad price necessarily. I just think that's one of those guys I don't feel strong enough about him to really – you know, play him up in the in the in the ownership and and have that kind of exposure to him as chalky as he's going to be. So I think I'm going to plant a flag there on Thomas Peters and fade. I agree with you on Kucher. I'm with you there, and I actually think he may go a little lower owned than you think, even though he's Matt Kucher. Um, Kevin Kisner at 7,500. Our boy Kiz. Uh, I mean, to me, uh, there's a lot of people talking about Kiz and. You know, it, it, for that reason, you might choose to fade him. I am not. I yeah, just I think, think he's confident. He can hit it long enough off the tee and accurately enough. Uh, he's got the attitude to win a U.S. Open. He's got the patience to, to, to play in this U.S. Open with these long rounds and these difficult conditions. Putting and scrambling, there's there's arguably not, not many better. So I think kids at 7,500, I don't care how chalky he gets. I'm rolling with it. Um. And actually, the more I've dug into it, the more I'm into Terrell Hatton. And I probably will not put a whole lot of Kiz Hatton stacks together. I may I may play them independently of each other just to kind of pivot off of Kisner and have Hatton in some lineups on his own. Uh, but definitely checks a box and strokes game putter. He's a phenomenal putter. He's a phenomenal chipper and scrambler of the golf ball. Also a pretty accurate guy. So Hatton kind of is like the Euro Kisner. So, um, I'm I'm a little I'm a little more into Hatton than I thought I would be. The more I've done research, so those are my guys, 7,500 and above. Well, I may have checked out because I, I didn't really go into this range, but I'm totally with you. I I, I kind of cut it off at 7,600, but I'm with you on Hatton and Kiz for exactly the reasons okay. that you mentioned. Right. I think those are 
Very Lots good of agreement this week. Well, there's been some disagreement, but I, I do think uh, you know they're. It is what it is. Those are the guys that are that are popping for us. All right. So talk to me about seventy four hundred down to seven k. Who who are your guys? All right. I'm gonna give. Uh, I'll give you three. One is I'm gonna go a little bit with the local connection and Steve Stricker. Oh, you're going to buy that narrative. Yeah, I'm going to buy that narrative this week. Okay. But I also like his recent form. I mean, he's obviously played pretty well. He's made six of seven cuts this year, um, was seventh at the Dean and DeLuca, you know, did make the cut at Memorial, ended up having a terrible Sunday and, and kind of, you know, shot him up the leaderboard to, or down the leaderboard to 40th. But I think Stricker's a good play. Uh, I, I do like the, the hometown – or not hometown, but the Wisconsin narrative. So I will have some Stricker. Brendan Steele is interesting to me. You know, it's 7,100 at the bottom of the 7,000 range. He's made 11 of 11 cuts this year. So has not, I mean, again, he's a steady guy. I also think he's another fantasy draft value at 12.5. I really like him on fantasy draft, more so than I do on DraftKings, but I, I like him on DraftKings as well. So Brendan Steele is one of those guys that I think could could easily, you know, play this course well, and you could see him, Obviously, make the cut, maybe get a top 30 finish, which is what you're probably going to want in that category. And then, last one I'll throw out, and this is, this is my gut play of the week, and that's going to be Gary Woodland. So, you know, whenever I throw out a gut play, wow, it's, I'm going to throw out a guy that I just have a good feeling about. He's not going to check the box on every stat category. He does, you know, he's making birdies on par fives, which we know. He's got the length out here. Um, you know, he checks the box on a, on a par five birdie or better percentage. And we do have the four par fives this year, which is somewhat unusual for a, for a U.S. Open. So Gary Woodland is going to be your Pat Perry gut play of the week. Wow. Man, you went completely the opposite direction. I thought you were going to go on all three of those. Well, so I can give I, you some other ones that, you, that I have. I like I said, I have like ten in this category. All right. Well, let me let me name mine, and if you have any different, we'll come back to you. But because I'm giving you all of them, like everybody that I'm playing in the seven K range, I'm giving you. So uh, and 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 none of the three guys you just named, I had. So that's interesting. Interesting. Well, good. Normally, we had so much Gary agreement. Woodland. We need to disagree a little Well, yeah, bit. but now we're going to name 40 players, but whatever. It's a 156-player field. Um, all right, so starting at 7,400, there's two guys. Uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bello, I like, uh, coming off of a good, a good tournament. Uh, we, we had him in, uh, um, in the shot in the arm right up last week for the St. Jude. Uh, I had him in like a lot of lineups. Yeah, me too. Seems like he's rounding into some good form. He's checking the box in strokes game putting. He's one of the best in strokes game putting there uh, recently and and over the long term. Hit another one of these guys who hits it long enough. He's not a bomber, but he hits it long enough. So I love. I, I kind of like a little Cabello, but I love Louis Ustazen at seventy four hundred. Louis is really popping for me. I think he might be a little chalky. This, this might be a this might be a Kisner Hatton situation where I don't put Louie and, and Bello in the same lineups because I think Bello I think Louie's going to be more popular and Bello could could be a pivot, but uh Usti's checking the box and strokes gained off the tee. He's a bomber, but here's the here's the rare thing about him is he's gaining strokes putting. Uh, over the last 12, 24, and 36 rounds. Uh, you, you, know, you got a major champion who can play in tough conditions. Uh, I think Louis Ustazen is a lock at 7,400. I don't. Um, God, that makes me want to throw up in my mouth. I don't even know. I can't. Are you serious? Yeah, I just can't. No, there's not. He's not, he's not finding his way into my lineups. 
Wow. Okay. Throw up in your mouth. You haven't said that since the the the, the Baldo episode I just, years ago. I don't. He just. He's not doing it for me this week. But go on. All right. Uh, dropping down seventy three hundred. A guy with the same Vegas odds as Bubba Watson and Jason Duffner, who are eight hundred and nine hundred dollars more expensive. And that's Charles Schwartzel, who is clearly over his wrist injury, having just played very well at the FedEx St. Jude Classic with a, uh, a tie for second, um, a couple of good rounds there, 20 birdies at the FedEx St. Jude, another South African. I, I just I like Charles a lot. Um, he'll be another kind of lock in my, in my lineups. I'm going to give you another lock in the 7K range and then one that is my gut play of the week so my lock in the 7k another kind of chalky play but this guy is a a strokes gained approach machine extremely accurate playing really well right now in great form that's francesco malinari at 7000 i am completely avoiding martin keimer at 7000 i know a lot of people are talking about him and winning at pinehurst and all that stuff but listen keimer can't chip to save his life okay he won at pinehurst <laughs> with a lot of texas wedges off the uh off the green and he can't chip so i, I don't like keimer for that reason and and a lot of my 7k money will be on francesco malinari my gut play of the week was not a guy i was planning on rostering at all before doing some research but i am going to have some gpp exposure to him not in cash and i'm not saying i'm going to have a ton of him because his form is bad but he's one of those guys you mentioned uh, played and performed well in the 2011 u.s amateur here at aaron hills he checks the box and strokes gained off the tee and he also checks the box in strokes gained putting and that's russell henley at 7200 bucks it's a little scary but wow. i feel i feel like henley could pop this week I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I didn't think I didn't think you did. I didn't either. Like I said, I mean, when the week started and I saw Henley, I was like, oh my God, no. But the more research I did, I'm like, man, he, here's another one of those guys who checks a box off the tee and he's got some distance to him. I mean, Henley can get it out there. You know, he's not a super bomber, but he can get it out there. And he putts well. So uh, that, that's kind of a rare combo that I think will, will play really well on this course. Okay. All right, um, here's what I need to do since we've gone through a, a number of picks. I need to go refill my podcast juice, so I'm going to step away from the mic, and this is your time to shine in the 6K range. There's a lot of value here. I need you to shine. Okay, you got it? Wow, why do you always do this to me? I don't always do this to you. This is like the second time I've ever done this to you. But, I mean, this is the U.S. Open show. I mean, you can't, like, hold your... No, I need to go refill, man. We've still got the whole 6K range, and it's a deep, it's a deep range. All right, well, I got it. Head on. All right, get your, and get your I'm stuff. out. All right, so listen, guys. Um, since David is not here, we I need your if if you'll just email info at tourjunkies.net anything that you would like um, me to say whenever David steps out off off the podcast, or if you got any just. Just things that, you know, David is always making fun of me on the show. So maybe, like, you could just, like, if there's things, like, that you hate that David does on the show or whatever, just email that to info at tour, you know, info at tourjunkies.net, all the things that you hate, you know, about David that I just, I need something to, some crap talking stuff because, you know, this is, again, let's, let's just say it. I mean, I don't know. All right, so 6,000 range. 
I'm going to start with a guy that we have had on the show before, and that is Andrew Beef Johnson. I got a, a couple interesting stats from him. I talked about I was watching Golf Channel before the show, which I like to do on Monday nights, especially for a major. And Beef was number one in total driving at the 2016 U.S. Open. Uh, he was also he also leads the tour in proximity right now, which I mentioned on uh, earlier. So I like Beef Johnston at sixty six hundred. I am going to have some ownership to him, but my favorite play here, right there with Beef at sixty six hundred, is Ross Fisher. He checks the box. He's in the top ten in the field and strokes gained off the tee. Also, strokes gain approach and proximity. So, Ross Fisher is another guy that I absolutely love this week and will play a lot of him. And then last but not least, well, i got a few more, but I do like Emiliano Grio this week at 6,900. I think you could easily see him play well uh, here. I think that's a good price for him. He's made 11 of 12 cuts on tour this year. So, there you go, Grio. David, if you're not back... I'm back. I made it back. I made it back just in time to hear your terrible picks in the 6K range. What are are those? All your picks in the 6K range? Um, who else do I have here? I do like Webb also at 6900 at the top. Gag. Oh man, it's going to be as putting for him. But if you look at his recent form, it's obviously he's been pretty horrible well. Horrible putter. Yeah, but oh, he's, he's a horrible putter. I still, I think he could well, go with what you got. Let me let me hear what you got in this range. Okay, I, I will say I do have some gut calls in this range. Okay, I got a lot of gut calls. Now, I do have a couple that I feel pretty good about. The one that I feel the best about is Lee Westwood at sixty eight hundred. I think that's a steal of value. Okay, I did have him. I do have yeah, him. I, I like Westwood a lot. I mean, good form plays Augusta well. Not a good putter, but still plays Augusta well, which is shocking. That's the reason why he's never won Augusta. Um, tremendous ball striker, knows how to play in the wind. Love Westwood at 6,800. The rest of these guys I'm a little squeamish about and will have maybe, you know, I'm going to try to have some GPP lineups where one of these guys um, are, are in the lineup and that's kind of it. Uh, maybe have Westwood and one more for a little more edgy lineup, but um, I'm gonna name two of them that you're about to say. Okay, go ahead. You're gonna say Lucas Glover and you're gonna say Byung Hanan. Nope and nope. You like apples? I like them apples. All right. Well, where are you going with this? Because I'm no. On. But here's the thing: at the beginning of the week, I liked both of them. But after talking to kids, I'm off of both of them. I think the putter is what holds both of those guys back. I'm off both of them for that reason. Now, one guy that I do like who is um, really slaying it in strokes gained putting, uh, also a pretty accurate uh, accurate guy as well, and, and in good form at 6,600. Graham McDowell I feel a little better about um, than the rest of these guys. So I would rank them like Westwood, then McDowell. And then the rest of these guys are kind of gut calls. I feel like Billy Horschel is a little underpriced at 67. I feel like Jimmy Walker, Lyme disease Jimmy Walker, <laughs> is a little a little underpriced. It's weird I, seeing him in this range. I it will say it that. is. And, and, and I'm normally not a Jimmy Walker guy, but I know he's been practicing. I know he's been grinding. 
um, for, again, a major champion and a recent major champion uh, and a guy who drives the ball well, also plays Augusta fairly well. I feel like it's a little sneaky, and to not have any exposure to him might be might be no good for you. I think um, right there too, though Leishman is another good play. I mean, okay, see, and Leishman, uh, Leishman is another one. I was on when the week started, and then the more I did research, he didn't pop for me. Like he popped in one category for me. Did he pop for you? Well, I mean, again, he's a guy that you know. I think Again. strokes gained approach. You know, he's hits greens. Um, you know, as far as greens and regulation, so I think I think Leishman could. I mean, sixty seven hundred for for a guy like that. Eleven to thirteen cuts made this year. I mean, here's the thing: Leishman and Perez are going to be chalky plays in this range because of their cuts made. And I get it. Both good players. Back to that whole thing of: Do you want to finish in the top twenty four percent of a GPP, or do you want to finish in the top two to three to one percent in a GPP? Well, and don't me, you want to don't you want to look at a guy though who's performed well in majors before? I mean, and that's that's a Leishman. I mean, not if you're I, I like, you're, if you're just going to sit there and look at just stats for the U.S. Open, I think you're going to be missing the boat. I mean, you want well, to? I think I I think I just named two major champions and a FedEx Cup champion, by the way. Well, yeah, Graham McDowell, U.S. Open winner, Jimmy Walker, PGA Championship winner, Billy Horschel, FedEx Cup winner, Lee Westwood contends in majors all the time. I don't need him to win. These guys are in the 6K range. Like I'm just saying they're, they're pivots off of Leishman. I don't have a problem with Leishman. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, he didn't pop for for me, but that just may mean he was just off of that kind of top 15 well, I, in that category. What I was getting, that I you, you kind of mentioned Pat Perez there, though, for a second. I'm sitting there thinking, all right, well, if you're going to – you know, I, I just don't think that was a very good comparison with Leishman and Perez, but, but whatever. No, I'm saying those guys are going to be chalky because – People are going to see the, the cuts. Like People are going to see how consistently those guys have made cuts this year, which they have. I mean, right? Like Pat Perez is making a lot of cuts. Is, was he missed one cut? People have been on him all year. So I, that's all I'm saying. I feel like they're going to be chalky, and I think people are going to be a little hesitant on guys like Walker and Horschel. And, you know. Walker has the same cut ratio as, as those guys. He's made 10 to 12 cuts this year. Well, I don't know. It just feels like Pat Perez is like everybody's favorite lately. So I, that's all I'm saying. I mean, maybe by Wednesday night, this all looks different. Um, one more, one more safer bet, and then I got a couple wild cards. Bill Haas at 6600 is a total driving guy. If you look at that stat, he's he's kind of an accurate kind of plotter, kind of par maker dude who can scramble really well. He's definitely a great scrambler on the PGA Tour. He was just another name at 6,600 that I was kind of like, wow, you know, that's a little, that's a little low for a guy that, you know, again, is probably only going to get you a made cut and a T50 or a T40, but, you know, may have a T30 or 25 upside, whatever. Um, my last play of the night is my, my big wild card. You know, I am going to have a couple of lineups with him in it. And that is the dude that's just lighting up the web.com tour right now and Steven Yeager. At 6300 bucks. you talk about a guy who's playing outstanding golf. I mean, Wesley Bryan, web.com 2016 type golf, who also played here in 2011 in the, uh, in the USAM. I think Steven Yeager would be, if you were going to take a flyer below 6500 
and you want to mess around with some of these names that not a lot of people know or, or whatever, like before I pick a Brad Dawkey from Oklahoma or before I pick some of these guys, I would look at Steven Yeager, who's already winning at a really high level and extremely confident and has played this golf course before at 6,300, I think is an interesting play. I can't argue with you there. I'll I'll throw one one more, and that's even lower than that at sixty two hundred. And a guy we mentioned last week, he played really well, and that was uh, Trey Mullinax. You know, I think he's. I love me some Trey Mullinax. He is not going to you know check all the boxes. I mean, as no one does in the six. He's going to check strokes gained off the tee. That's yeah, strokes gained off the tee, and also he's decent in putting as well. So I think Mullinax at sixty two hundred. If you're trying to fit those top guys in here, which you should do this week, you know you, you could do you could do worse than Mullinax. I mean, he's literally at the bottom here. Agree. Now, do I? I don't think Jaeger or Mullinax should find their way in your Millie Maker lineup. 198,000 entries. There's very little chance that those guys are gonna. I mean, you're, you're gonna have to have six guys in the top ten to fifteen, and and I doubt that's gonna happen with either one of those guys. But if you're playing in a smaller entry GPP, I do think there's a chance that both of those guys make the cut and have upside to finish top thirty. I mean, I mean, we're a year away from Andrew Landry being in the final group at the U.S. Open last year with Shane Lowry. Yeah. And what so, I mean, he there done? are yeah, no, absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, so I mean, there there are those cases, but you know, I mean, if your odds are, it's not going to be you know one of these guys who qualified at, from his local whatever like, sectional or whatever that nobody's ever heard of. So, um, and and Jaeger qualified on a on a on the longest longest day of golf last week. So I mean, he qualified, but I mean, again, the guy's been lighting up the web dot com. So yeah. A two G G guy, by the way. A two G G guy, our boy Russ. A shout out, our boy Russ Ortiz. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, once again, I want to remind you guys if you're not looking at the um, at the big GPP over there on Fantasy Draft, the the U.S. Open Tour card, twenty five dollar entry fee. There are uh, there there are plenty of entries available as of now as as of this recording. Um, you might want to get in on that. I think it could be a if if you know your stuff and you do your research, you got an edge there. So that's that. Um, other than that, don't forget you can send us emails info at tourjunkies.net about the native area questions. Or and, or you can send me emails on what I talked about, guys. When when David was out. Excuse me. I'll just go ahead. Am I going to have to edit that? No, you can just finish out the show. Do you even know how to check our email? (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) By the way, if you you ordered swag last week, which a lot of you did, we appreciate that very much. Uh, Pat is very, very overwhelmed by the amount of orders we had. No, they're going out tomorrow. We're good. You got them all packed and ready to go? We're good. We're going, going out tomorrow. Man, I'm impressed. Uh, and with that, we've actually got some new swag coming. Pat, you want to tell them about that? We do. Uh, it's a it's a little variation of one of our favorite and, and our best-selling T-shirts that we had. And I think it's going to be, it's going to look good. We changed it up a little bit. But we got it in, I'll go ahead and say, we got it in, in my favorite color, which is red, which is bulldog red. So, um, And we got it in blue. And blue. Yep. And the most important thing, Pat, we, we've heard the cry of our listeners is what? 
And what's that? I don't know. You have no idea. Awesome. No. All right. Well, a lot of you have said that our t-shirts, while they do feel great, that whole kind of like thin material, breathable, tri-blend deal doesn't go well if you're more of a husky fellow or you appreciate a cotton shirt. Um, so we actually ordered them in both styles. So you'll be able to order them in the tri-blend, you know, breathable, more slightly more modern fit, uh, or you'll be able to order them in the 100% cotton. Now, it doesn't mean it's like hanging over you like a, like a drape or a sheet, but it does mean it's, uh, it's not going to show all of your curves and, uh, and sharp edges. I like as, that. As well. Wow. Good. That is, that is yeah, fantastic news. Yeah, you didn't realize that? Awesome. No. See, yeah, see, th- Pat does not know how to check his email because that was in the email. So if you guys want to email Pat, whatever he told you to email, you're SOL. I'm just <laughs> going to tell you that right now. All right, U.S. Open podcast was killer. The Kevin Kisner interview was killer. We will not be pulling any harder for anybody than Kevin Kisner. Hashtag, who lit the kiss? Much appreciate him being on. Much appreciate you guys putting up with this extra long U.S. Open podcast. We will be back next week for whatever tournament is after this because we don't know because all we care about is the U.S. Open right now. All right. Good show, Pat. See you. Staples knows that when the leave-behinds for your sales call get left behind at your office, it's time. When you need to print 30 pages and you're 300 miles from the office, it's time. And when the intern packed the Harrington file, not the Farrington file. Oh, my bad. It's definitely time. And it's times like these when you can count on Staples. Access your files from email, the cloud, or USB, and then print, copy, fax, or scan them. And get back to business fast. Visit your nearby Staples. It's pro time. Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for Dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make Dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet. And do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612. Craftsman offer valid through 619 U.S. only. Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands to get the job done. Lowe's is here to help with more of those brands in stock like DeWalt and Little Giant. We stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. Now save $60 on a two-pack of DeWalt 20-volt max batteries, now just $99. Plus, we now offer the Little Giant King Combo Ladder, the world's first step, extension, and leaning ladder, giving you the flexibility to do just about any job for only $159. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616, U.S. only.